Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything movies, TV, comics, and entertainment. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What's happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M., joining me in studio, as always. You know him. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Allow me to break the ice. (laughs) He had to go there. He had to go there. Can you be cold, Batman? Oh my gosh, we have a lot to talk about in the land of movies, TV, comics, and more. So you definitely want to stay tuned to everything that's going on with the ODPH. And the easiest way to do that is simple. Swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join in the conversation on social media. All the accounts are right there on the front page, along with the T Public Store link, which is always a great idea if you're looking for a last-minute gift for somebody. Even though it might come after the holidays, still, it's the thought that counts. A lot of cool swag up there to support the podcast. The, t- uh, the Patreon link, one tier, $2, and working on a little special episode strictly for the patrons this month. So if you want that episode, simple. You just got to sign up, and boom, right there will be. Also, the Parlay Points blog section, the classifieds, which adds friends of the show, such as 3FN Podcast, the directory. Pat, how many providers are we on? 121,000. Sounds about right to me. The music section, if it's anything and everything that is the ODPH, it can be found at odphpodcast.com. And always remember on social media, use the hashtag ODPHpod. Kicking off this edition of the show, it seems like every time we get done recording, uh-huh. something big happens. Uh-huh. Like literal minutes. Uh-huh. And last week, we were breaking down the big announcement that Gail Godot's uh, Patty Jenkins' Wonder Woman 3 movie was no longer in production. Well, initially, that one started at the end of the episode two weeks ago. Right. And then we kind of went further into it because there were more... There, It was kind of like episode two, you know, from the, of this ongoing saga was in last week's episode. You know, so we were going breaking through some of that. But then, of course, you know, the night of day after we finished recording, there was even more news. Yes. As we ended the show last week and it was going to production... It was announced that Henry Cavill, who we've known in the DCEU over the recent years as Superman, was no longer going to be playing the Man of Steel. Yeah, well, basically what we knew before this news came out last week was that uh, Peter Safran and James Gunn, who are DC Studios co-presidents, were going to have a meeting with Warner Brothers Discovery head David Zlaslav and basically lay out their plan, or I guess their Bible, whatever, of what they're going to do with the DC films going forward. It's basically like, hey, here's what we're going to do, whatever. We didn't know when that was going to take place. There were just rumors that it was going to be last week. Apparently it was going on while we were recording the damn show mm-hmm. uh, because it was announced, and I'm reading from an article on IGN.com, <clears throat> where it says, quote, after James Gunn announced that the master plan for new DC uh, had been finalized, Henry Cavill has taken to Instagram to confirm he, he will not be returning as Superman in this new era. Gunn took to Twitter later this week to announce that he and DC Studios co-president Peter Safran have, had finalized a DC slate and will announce more in the new year. But Gunn also shared one movie, which is a young Superman film set in his early days as a reporter. As a result, Cavill would not be returning to the role. 
Cavill confirmed the news on his Instagram page, writing, quote, I have just had a meeting with James Gunn and Peter Safran, and it's sad news, everyone. I will, after all, not be returning as Superman. After being told by the studio to announce my return back in October prior to their hire, this news isn't the easiest, but that's life. The changing of the guard is something that happens. I respect that. James and Peter have a universe to build. I wish them and all involved with the universe the best of luck and the happiest of fortunes. For those who have been by my side through the years, we can mourn for a bit, but then we must remember, Superman is still around. Everything he stands for is still exists. And the examples he set for us are still there. My turn to where the cape has passed, but what Superman stands for never will. Uh, it's been a fun ride with you all. Onwards and upwards, close quote. Instant reaction, Pad. Uh, shocked, uh, because I figured that... Disp- shocked just because I figured that... Listen, they let him announce it back in October, and while I realized at the time I didn't understand that or realize that they hadn't brought, been brought on at that point, but I figured, given the tumultuous news and given the fact he was allowed to say, I'm coming back, and the fact that they left that damn thing in there, because let's face it... You, the way movies are distributed these days digitally to the theaters, you can change, you know, end, end credit scenes at the drop of a hat. Right. This isn't the old school. They're on film way where, hey, you're stuck with it. So I figured the fact that it was the, the bonus scene was left in the film, the fact that he was allowed to say he was coming back and it wasn't a, hey, jinx, psych, excuse me, um, you know, I, I figured he was safe. So shocked, a, a little upset just because he's been the best portrayal of Superman I've seen and don't get me wrong for as much as I love Smallville and Tom Welling's portrayal Mm -hmm. and as much as I love Tyler Hoechlin's portrayal you know Tom Welling pulled off a great Clark in in for those years of of the Superman story and Tyler Hoechlin pulls off a great Superman Henry, Henry Cavill is the best of both you know he pulls off a fantastic Clark Kent he pulls off a fantastic Superman and it's just an awesome blend and, and he, he, that's why I say no disrespect to any of the other actors who have played Superman or even voiced him over the years, but Henry Cavill has been my has been my Superman. Mm-hmm. You know, so upset, surprised, shocked, but ultimately, once you know, I was able to sit down and kind of think about it. I'm like, okay, I you know what, I should have seen this coming. My initial reaction was like you. I was very shocked, but if you think about the drama that has gone on with Cavill and Warner Brothers. Yeah. And we often forget about this right now because with the James Gunn, Peter Safran regime now running things, Mm -hmm. we forget that there was a time that we were not sure if Henry Cavill was coming back. And we even saw that on screen because there was the bonus scene at the end of Shazam 1 Mm -hmm. where Shazam shows up to the school with his his family and sits down. It's like, oh, hey, I brought a friend with me. They didn't show Cavill's head. They just showed the body. Yes. You know, because at that point, his future with the company was up in the air. Right, because there was a lot of mixed feelings, I think is probably the easiest way to put it. Yeah. Between Warner Brothers and him. Mm-hmm. This is how we perceive as a public. About the direction of the DCEU. Yeah. Or Worlds of DC. Or even if you want to go as far as, say, the Snyderverse, you can. But with the lackluster response to Batman vs. Superman and Justice League there was kind of a mixed feeling about what the direction was going to be involving Superman moving forward, Mm -hmm. and especially Henry Cavill, because he even posted on an Instagram post a very weird, at least 
cryptic mm-hmm. uh, for telling that he was not going to be returning as Superman. Right. And it was all considered pretty much null and void that he was coming back. Then you had the Snyderverse reborn, so to speak, with the Zack Snyder Justice League director's cut, the four-hour epic. Right. Come back and reignite that fan base. And it was a much better movie than we saw in the theaters. I will be, yeah, yeah. I think everybody yeah. is in universal agreement for the most part about yeah, it. Yeah, I, I would say to what degree they love the movie, you know, kind of varies based on the person. But yeah, I would agree that most people would say it's better than what was in theaters. Oh, absolutely. I think it definitely stood on its own, if not just for the bonus scenes at the end. I think that that was what solidified it, even to the point of what Superman did when he when he ran into Apocalypse and, and company. Yeah. I digress. Uh where he goes to dark side, I should say, but he's on apocalypse. You know what I'm trying to say. Well, we know what you mean. Yeah, because you know what that scene of just him sending the message there and setting up for the big future had fans excited. Yeah, and and whatever you feel about the Snyderverse is whatever you feel about the Snyderverse. But Henry Cavill had always won fans over. Man of Steel is a very polarizing movie, but not because of his portrayal. Right. It's it's really polarizing because of one scene, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yeah. Whether you agree with it or you don't, it is what it is. And that is when he kills Zod. Yep. So the future was kind of up in the air about it because it wasn't exactly a colossal Marvel-esque blockbuster, which unfortunately that is the benchmark that DC was comparing itself to. Yeah, that's what they were going for. Well, I mean, it's not a bad benchmark to reach for. No. But it's also something they did not plan out for like Marvel did. No. The one thing that fans often forget is Marvel has planned for a shared universe since day one. Well, I think they were planning for it. I just think they weren't sure it was going to work. You know, it, it's all, I think they were ambitious and they're like, maybe we could do this, but we got to see if this works first. And then they kind of went along the way and like, okay, you know, Iron Man worked. Let's do another one. You know, they had the, the incredible Hulk movie, which mixed results, mm-hmm. you know, then they did uh Thor, you know, again, success with that and i think at that point they realized okay you know what this is working why don't we try this yeah well they've had a broad idea to do it right. i mean that's the one thing because they didn't have all the character rights right obviously due to some past business dealings yeah and uh, which is a whole different podcast to go into for that i like a six hour episode yeah well don't give our fans that idea we might actually do that someday in in pieces not all at once no please no yeah but it's one of those situations where Spider-Man wasn't there, X-Men yep. are not there. Yep. At the time, Fantastic Four and Daredevil weren't there. Hulk was kind of there. Hulk and Namor are just kind of in this weird yeah. universe on its own yeah. with legality. So when Marvel tried doing this, it did win fans over for what they had. And they took popular characters in the MCU, not household names, because Iron Man was not a household no, name at the time. No, Neither was Thor, for the most part. Comic fans, absolutely. Mainstream pop culture fans. Oh, hell no. We always say there's a big difference. I, I will be honest. I was not the biggest Marvel comic reader. You know, I remember going to see Iron Man 1 in theaters just because everyone was talking about it. Mm-hmm. Didn't go see Hulk just because I, I really wasn't that big into the Hulk. I know he had a brief run in the cartoon in the, in the like 80s or 90s, but I, I didn't watch it. You know, and then I think Thor was the next one to come out. I didn't see Thor in theaters because I had no idea who the fuck he was. Yeah. You know, I, I never read any Norse mythology in, in school. 
You know, so I, I never heard the name. I didn't know who the fuck he was. So I'll be honest. I didn't see it until I was in college and they were doing like a movie rental program on my college campus where like you could go to like an office in the, like the student union type of thing. And, you know, you could rent a movie if it was basically like from your library mm. type of thing. And it wasn't until, you know, like the Avengers movie was getting ready to come out that I'm like, all right, I should probably see some of these other ones. And I went and rented Thor. You yeah. know, so, but that was well after the fact. So when it first came out, I had no interest because I'm like, I don't know who the fuck this is. Well, for a lot of the comic readers, yours truly, I grew up on Marvel. Like sure. Marvel is the one universe if I have to pick or choose, I always go with because that's what I grew up reading. And I knew these characters. And obviously in that 90s time period, animation is a little different. Yeah. And it's not yeah. exactly, you know, winning people over, so to speak, as much as it does today. So when you saw these characters finally come to the screen... This was a big moment, and this started winning more people over. So where DC had stayed away from doing a shared universe, they always just kept into doing Superman films by Superman alone, Batman, Batman's only done Batman. Like, there hasn't been that shared universe like Marvel was doing. However, when you're seeing those box office results, that's starting to plant the seed in there. So when DC tried doing this with Man of Steel and then going into Batman versus Superman, it did not connect as well because by the time you got to the big moment, which was Justice League, you only established a couple characters, not so much the entire team, a la Marvel, who had everybody established with the exception of Hawkeye. Right. By the time they got there. So when that movie came out, Justice League did not do so well. Who are you going to blame about that? Well, I mean, there's a lot of different factors going in. Joss Whedon taking over for the the terrible tragedy going on with Zack Snyder. It wasn't the same vision. And we've talked about this in reference to Star Wars. Yeah. When J.J. Abrams and Ryan Johnson took, you know, two different versions. They swapped, yeah. Yeah. It didn't connect as well. Yeah. The same thing happens because Zack Snyder had a vision going on. And Henry Cavill played a big part into that and what was going on. It just didn't translate when Joss Whedon took over and took the film into a very different direction. Well, and see, I think the problems even start further back than that. I think the problems start with with, uh, Batman v Superman And, and not for the obvious ones. I think you think back to the initial Man of Steel film and just... As a world-building film, it's a great start mm-hmm. in, in terms of Superman. One of the most popular characters in DC f- Comics history. One, one A, one B with Batman. You can even make that argument all day. But it wasn't crazy. It kind of kept itself contained to the Superman mythos. There were some Easter eggs and there were some hints to a larger world. You know, there's the scene where he gets launched into space fighting Zod and the satellites Wayne Tech. Mm-hmm. You know, so there were little tidbits and Easter eggs of like, okay, clearly they're trying to build something, but it didn't go crazy. It didn't beat you over the head with, hey, here's a shot in the background of Gotham. Here's a reference to Batman running around Gotham. Here's a reference to the Flash running around Central City. But then you go to Batman v Superman, you know, Dawn of Justice, and it's throwing the kitchen sink at you. Yeah. Where it's, we're introducing Batman. Now we're introducing Wonder Woman. Now we're introducing The Flash. Now we're introducing Cyborg. Uh, admittedly, some of them weren't in the movie for terribly long, but like, hey, we're introducing all these people in one movie. Yeah. It was just too much sensory overload, yeah. to put it mildly. So thus, when you have that going on, you don't have that pop culture audience won over. So you're not going to have that success. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't work that way in Hollywood. Comics are a different deal, but in Hollywood, you, you need to win over the pop culture audience. Well, and the other thing, too, is, listen, for as deep and intricate and weaving as these stories can be, 
the KISS method is integral. And if you don't know mm-hmm. what the KISS method is, it's keep it simple, stupid. Yep. Read the, If you haven't read the Harry Potter books, read the Harry Potter books. You know, pick up any one of them. Hell, five. If the fifth book, Order of the Phoenix. It's the longest one in the series. I realize there's some storylines in that movie. And hell, I'll even say three because there are some storylines left out of the third book that I would have loved to have seen on screen. But I understand why they didn't because, it you know, especially Order of the Phoenix, it's like 700, almost 800 pages, I want to say. Yeah. It's, it's something absurd. If they would have translated every single storyline into that movie, movie would have been five hours. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and, people, crazy. and people who are just casual fans who are just there to see the movies, they don't want to see all the stuff. They just want to get the basic plot points. They'd have checked out and left mm-hmm. or and told some folks, hey, don't go see this. It's a five hour movie. Why bother seeing this? Yeah. You know, so the same can be said, you know, for the for these comic book movies. Like, listen, you got to keep it simple. You have to keep it simple. And unfortunately, it didn't happen for D.C. And where a lot of the blame went to was Cavill. Unfortunately, right. because along with Ben Affleck and Zack Snyder, they were the ones that were most involved with the initial run of the DCEU. Yeah, and especially the press. Yeah, so once that starts all getting mixed in, there's going to be some, re- I don't want to say resentment, right? but there's going to be some hesitation yeah. to do another Man of Steel movie and then really push Henry Cavill. Right. So thus, when he was away, the fans were very adamant that they still want to see a Superman film. DC had different ideas because, obviously, when you're seeing what Marvel's doing and after every property they had come out, for the most part, be a monster success, right? they're saying, okay, we want to get back on track. We want to do this. How can we make this happen? And it just really didn't kind of mesh into a proper idea of what to do. So with Superman being stuck in limbo, they switched to uh, different alternatives. They started going with Shazam and Aquaman and releasing films based off characters that the DC fans knew and took a shot with and really made it a complete shift from what we saw from the Snyderverse. Right. And they were very good films. I know a lot of people are really mixed feelings about Shazam. I thought it was great. I loved it. Sure. Because, I, no, I did too. Because the thing is, it's lighthearted. It's supposed yeah, to be. Yeah. Same thing with Aquaman because Jason Momoa's performance is not so dark and brooding. Right. Not to say that Aquaman really is, but he's one of those characters that, unless he's written very well, mm-hmm. he does not connect with an audience. Yeah. He's not as noble and charismatic as Namor. Right. He's always kind of a relative joke right. in certain degrees, unless you read some really good Aquaman comics, and there are very good Aquaman oh, yeah. comics out oh, there. Yeah. I'll just point that out. So when those movies start creating some success... This is where Warner Brothers at the time was saying, okay, maybe we should start going back into this. And then Henry Cavill comes back. Yep. And then you start looking at what happened with Black Adam. Yeah. And obviously the big Easter egg at the end of that is Henry Cavill returns as Superman. The official announcement is back. And then James Gunn and company take over and then announce that he's not going to be there anymore. It's kind of a polarizing thing to see, and it's heartbreaking for fans but this is not a bad situation, I don't think. No, and just getting back to the Man of Steel thing, I was looking up some numbers. You know, it, it was surprising to me at the time, you know, but clearly you could tell something was going on behind the scenes with issues. Because whenever a movie comes out, if they're going to make a sequel, it at least has to make its budget back for them to even start considering it. Because if it was a bomb, why are we going to bother doing this again if we lost money on it? Absolutely. You know, and and what helps is if it then exceeds its budget. Now, according to boxofficemojo.com, the estimated budget for Man of Steel, which came out in 2013, 
God, that long ago, uh, mm-hmm. was $225,000 was the estimated budget. Or, two, yeah, two, excuse me, $225 million. I was going to say, wait a second. Yeah, low-budget film. No, it's $225 million. The worldwide total gross for this movie was $668,045,518. Mm. So it more than made its money back. So the fact that, now, I realize that they had plans for Man of or, uh, Dawn of Justice and then Justice League, but the fact that we went, you know, we went, a lot, uh, what was it, nine years, you know, since the initial one came out, and they've only now just said, hey, yeah, we know we brought you back for a cameo and you got allegedly, reportedly, a $250,000 uh, fee for the for the cameo appearance, you know, in, in uh, Black Black Adam. You know, hey, now we're going to let you go. You know, it, it, clearly something was going on behind the scenes. Well, clearly it was. And I think that they were trying to figure out, OK, what's the direction going to be? Obviously, Warner Brothers getting bought by Discovery and now being WBD uh-huh. is kind of a weird thing. See, it's even struggling for me to say. It's a weird time to be in that film business, so to speak, because you really were seeing a lot of shifting and moving parts going on. Henry Cavill returning was a big moment, and obviously there's a lot of excitement. We heard about Man of Steel 2 was finally going to come. We heard that there was rumors that Brainiac was going to be the villain for it, right? which would have been fantastic. And then James Gunn and Peter Safran took over, and you know what? They decided that they have a different vision. And if Henry Cavill didn't fit in for that vision, that's perfectly fine. Right. Because if you're not going to follow suit with what happened with the Snyderverse and what was already the original foundation, Mm -hmm. you have to hit reset. You do. You can't sit there and go, okay, we're not going to pay attention to the past, but we're still going to have the same actors. Right. Like, how would that connect to the pop culture audience? That would be confusing. Oh, it would. Comic fans would get it. And sure. We, and sure, we've seen recastings. Terrence Howard and Don Cheadle. Yeah, yeah. So we, it, and uh, War Machine there. Yep. We have seen that. But to do this with a franchise character. Yeah. Such as Superman, arguably the greatest superhero of all time. Mm-hmm. You can't say, you know what, those movies happened? Yeah, sure. But we're going to have him in a totally different scenario, do something totally different and you're going to have to like it. They tried this. Superman Returns. Yeah. Because if if you haven't seen Superman Returns, it's supposed to be a continuation of the Christopher Reeve films. Mm-hmm. And if you read, there's a, they put out a novelization, which I got as a Christmas gift, birthday gift when it came out in whatever year it was. There's even some stuff in the novelization that are like hints and anecdotes and callbacks back to the, to the original films. So DC tried this once before with casting Brandon Routh, which, listen, nothing against Brandon Routh and his portrayal and, and his performance in that film, but that movie's not good. It's very underrated how good he was. Yeah, oh, yeah. But uh, the film is bad. The film is bad. You know, but DC tried this once already, and it was a bomb. Mm-hmm. It was not good. It wasn't good, and I think that James Gunn and Peter Safran learned from this and said, well, what are we going to do now? Right. We can't do this. Because it's not going to work with the pop culture audience. However you want to spin it, to sell it to millions and millions and have Henry Cavill come in, do a whole different background, do a whole different story, and everybody's going to say, well, this isn't what we saw with Man of Steel. This isn't what we saw with Justice League. Mm -hmm. How do you think that backlash would have gone with ticket sales? Oh, God, it would have gone over like a fart in church. It would have been a nightmare. So the fact that they're not doing that... I think is smart. Mm-hmm. It does stink for us that really like Cavill oh, as yeah. Superman. Oh yeah. But rest assured on this. One, he will be fine. Oh yeah. 
He's got a brand new show coming out on Amazon Prime Video. Uh, Warhammer 40,000, which, in case you're not familiar, he's very familiar with that franchise. Uh, he collects the figures or whatever it is, and the, he's very into that franchise. Yes. So, for starters, he's got something to keep oh, his yeah. time occupied. Two, it's not to say that we won't see him in the DC universe of James Gunn. Right, we just won't see him as Superman. We just won't see him as Superman. Uh, because there was, in reading from another article on IGN.com, uh, he, he and both Gal Gadot were supposed to make cameos in the upcoming Flash film, but reportedly they have been cut from said film. Well, I'm not surprised at that, because I think, honestly, Gunn is going to release it and never talk about it again. Yeah, so It's going to be the weirdest thing oh, you've ever seen oh, involved in a movie. Rest assured of that. Yeah, but reading from the article, it says, quote, uh, as reported by The Hollywood Reporter, these movies indica- these moves indicate that Gunn and Safran are not going to simply pay- play with the pieces already in play in-, in the DCEU, but that they will be making a major shift as they steer this massive ship into uncharted waters. The ship has already made waves in existing projects uh, like The Flash, thanks to Cavill's departure and the decision to not move forward with Patty Jenkins' most recent vision of Wonder Woman 3. Uh, the sunsetting of Cavill's time as Superman was the clearest indication yet that Gunn and Safran are mounting a substantial overhaul of DC, a reboot that will cut significant, if not most, ties to the previous regimes that handled DC movies for Warner Brothers, the Hollywood Reporter wrote. Cavill also shot a cameo in The Flash, one of, the, one of four DC movies set to release in 2023. But sources say that cameo, along with that of Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman, is now being cut given that the studio chose to not go forward with Patty Jenkins' division version of Wonder Woman 3, close quote. Yeah. So that said, Pad, where do you see Henry Cavill going from here? Involving the DCU or another comic universe? I don't think he, I think he'll come back to DC at some point. I just don't think it'll be for a while. I think there's a little I don't want to say bad blood, but there's a little ill feel ill feelings between the two. As much as they might say in public, you know, oh hey, we're good. I'm wishing them well in their in their future endeavors and I'm wishing them to do well down the road. I think there's still some uh, you know, bad blood, you know, like a little mi- mixed feelings between the uh, the two. So I don't think we'll see him in DC anything for a while. Uh, I think it's entirely possible we see him show up in Marvel. I know, uh, hell, Doctor Doom would be awesome to see him mm-hmm. in. I think he'd be a great Doctor Doom. I know a lot of people have said Captain Britain. Uh, my pick's Cap- uh, Doctor Doom, though. I ag- agree with you completely. I think he is going to go to the MCU. And I know it's been rumored for a while. Captain Britain has been something that has been attached to him, a la Norman Reedus and Ghost Rider, mm-hmm. for years. Do I think he would do that role? Yes, I think there would be a, a place for him with Captain Britain, but it depends. Are you going to do Excalibur? Are you going to do your own show? How does the character of Brian Braddock fit in there? That's the question we'd have to ask. Right. I agree with you. I think he'd be an amazing Victor Von Doom, and I oh, think yeah. that I think to see him play the villain, that would be amazing because he would really sink his teeth into it. We haven't seen that. And how much would that just be an ironic twist the greatest superhero of the DC universe is now the greatest villain of Marvel mm-hmm. comics. It plays so much into the irony and, and somewhat pettiness, yeah. but it works. Yeah. And I could definitely see him do that. If he wants to come back to the world of comics, it's not to say that he wouldn't come back to DC. Cause I do see him coming back there at some point. If there's a good enough role under what James Gunn is doing. Yeah. Because the one thing that we have to say 
is we still don't know what the final picture is going to be. Right. Because we still don't know what their slate is. They've announced nothing. Exactly. There's rumor, and we speculate rumor. The only thing we know they're doing is James Gunn is writing it. He's not attached to direct yet. He could, but Mm -hmm. as of right this recording... He's not attached. Christ, the way we've been going, it'll be announced after we get done recording. Probably. You know, but as of this recording and as I speak this, the only thing he's attached to do is writing the super, the upcoming Superman film. But it's been, as we said, it's going to be kind of like a reboot of him in his younger years as a reporter. Yeah. I, I know somebody threw out the Grant Morrison run, uh, you know, as, as something they might spark interest from. Uh, they didn't like the, what was it? The, 20, the New 52. The New 52, which I've got there. That's a, that's a good run. That'd be a good one to borrow from. Uh, but we'll see. Yeah, I think that it's been rumored that we're going to hear something in January. That could be an initial announcement of something. Not, I'm not going to say it's going to be something earth shattering, but right. I, I think we'll get a direction of an idea of where we're going with the DCU. But as far as Henry Cavill is concerned, I think that he leaves a great legacy behind at DC. And should he want to come back and do another role, i.e., the big rumor going around now is Jason Momoa is leaving Aquaman to become Lobo. Yeah. Could Henry Cavill come in and maybe be Darkseid? Could he come in and maybe test his waters and be somebody else that we are not even thinking about? Right. That is a question that we're going to have to kind of wait and see about, but he'll be all right. And obviously DC has got a lot more things on their agenda to talk about. And in fact, this isn't the biggest release that happened this week. (laughs) Oh, shit. No, it ain't. But before we get into that, let's get a quick breakout. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your thoughts about Henry Cavill no longer playing Superman for the current incarnation of the DCEU under James Gunn and Peter Safran's DC Studios? And where do you see him going from here? Is he going to go to Marvel? Is he going to just stay away from superhero comics? What do you think the next step is going to be? Let's have that discussion, shall we? But first, we're going to get a quick break. We'll be right back. Calling all movie buffs, cinema lovers, and film fanatics. Welcome to the Silver Screen Savers podcast. I'm Michael Gallup. I'm Matt Sturdivant. And I'm Tyler Sukas. And we're a show for movie fans by movie fans. Every week you can catch us discussing the world of cinema, including dissection of films both new and old, our takes on what's to come, career retrospectives of the most prolific names in the business, and much, much more. Listen in via your favorite podcasting apps including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods, and more. You could also join the discussion and leave suggestions for future content by writing to us at silverscreensaverspod at gmail.com, following us at screensaverspod on both Instagram and Twitter, as well as liking us on Facebook at Silver Screen Savers Podcast. We'll see you at the cinema. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast, and we are still staying in the Warner Brothers Discovery sandbox, so to speak. Yep. Because not only did we have the Henry Cavill announcement yep. following Gail Godot's announcement, we had another member of the Snyderverse question mark yeah. also announced that they are now leaving the current incarnation of DC Studios. Well, they didn't exactly say that outright, but you can certainly connect the dots and draw that conclusion. Break it down for us, Pat. Uh, So this is the one, the only Dwayne The Rock Johnson, who, while we were recording the sports edition, ironically, uh, posted this to his Twitter account, his Instagram account, his Facebook account. Basically, if he's his tout, uh, if it's uh, if he's on social media, he posted it to those various things. Uh, this came to us at 4.59 p.m. on uh, December 20th of 2022. Quote, 
My passionate friends, I wanted to give you a long-awaited Black Adam update regarding the character's future in the new DC Universe. James Gunn and I connected, and Black Adam will not be in their first chapter of storytelling. However, DC and Seven Bucks have agreed to continue exploring the most valuable ways Black Adam can be utilized in future DC multiverse chapters. James and I have known each other for years and have always rooted for each other to succeed. It's no different now, and I will always root for DC and Marvel to win and win big. You guys know me, and I have very thick skin, and you can always count on me to be direct with my words. Uh, those decisions made by James and DC leadership represent their vision of DCU through their creative lens. After 15 years of relentless hard work to finally make Black Adam, I'm very proud of the film we delivered for fans worldwide. I will always look back on the fan reaction to Black Adam with tremendous gratitude, humility, and love. We did great. To my very passionate and vocal Black Adam slash superhero genre fans, I love you. Thank you, and I will always listen to you and do my best to deliver and entertain you. What a hell of a month. Now we all need some Terramana. Crying while laughing emoji, and then what I presume to be a tequila emoji? It's kind of hard to tell. Yeah. Uh, have a productive week and happy holidays to you and your families. Signed, DJ. Close quote. Well, there's a lot to process there. Would you like to start, sir? Uh, not entirely surprised uh, because I'll have to pull up the numbers, but there have been rumors and rumblings that despite how much he's been boasting about how well the film did, that it did not do well uh, financially. Yeah. This has been a very, very interesting time period for Dwayne The Rock Johnson as far as DC Films goes. Black Adam finally came out in October. And for the most part, fairly well received. Yeah. I know that there are some fans that really do not like this. Uh, I was, in, in fact, hearing Morbius comparisons. Oy. Like, and, and that's And you know what? You're entitled to your opinions. I'm not going to dismay you about this. I, we liked the film. We thought it was very entertaining for what it was. So that said, the movie did not exactly reignite the box office. It was not the uh, juggernaut, so to speak, that I think a lot of DC Snyderverse fans were waiting for. Right. It did well, but I don't think it did anything to really say this is a new era. But when Dwayne The Rock Johnson is involved, and he is, no question, the biggest action star in Hollywood currently. He was making moves. He's the one that brokered the deal pretty much to get Henry Cavill back with the cameo yep. and really has been attached with him returning to DC Studios to restart the Superman franchise. So thus, when Peter Safran and James Gunn took over, well, the creative minds met and they decided to go into a different direction. And a lot of this has been rumored, and we stress rumored, based off the performance of Black Adam. And we know that we heard from some other rumblings that the movie did not do well, that it missed Mark uh, fairly significantly. Yeah, so according to BoxOfficeMojo.com, uh, as of this recording, because it uh, it's probably still in some theaters uh, some places, uh, domestically, it has made $167,809,336. Internationally, it has made $223,400,000 for a worldwide total gross of $391,209,336. Now, there is no no firm number out that I can find for mm. what, the, what the budget is, 
But according to the Wikipedia page uh, for this, which is citing Hollywood Reporter Variety and some other places, uh, that it says, quote, it grossed $391 million worldwide against a production budget of $191 to $260 million. Uh, by some estimates, failing to recoup its total cost after marketing and distribution costs, resulting in publications labeling it as a box office bomb. So that's the thing with these movies, too, is you got the the budget to make the thing, and then there's every, all the costs to market it and distribute it and all this other stuff. So... The bu- the budget for production is 195 to 260 million, but with the marketing, you pr- you got to throw on at least another hundred million dollars, if not more. Oh, they went huge with it. So you know it's probably pushing 400 million dollars. So the fact that it didn't, if not more, so the fact that it didn't make it, its money back, it's a it's a bomb. It's definitely a bomb in that sense. But I know that Dwayne got on Twitter and was saying that it did clear over somewhere between. I want to say 25 and 75 million. Okay, here's the tweet from December 7th. And this is from The Rock's Twitter himself. Uh, Quote, waited to confirm with financiers before I shared this excellent Black Adam news. Our film will capitalize profit between 52 million and 72 million. Fact. At almost 400 million worldwide, we are building our new franchise step by step. First, Captain America did 370 million for the future of DC. End quote. And that is attached. That's right on his Twitter. I'm showing Pad right yeah, now. Oh yeah, I, I see it. I, I kind of doubt his uh, statement there. Yeah. And I know there's a Deadline.com article attached to it as well. Right. But I think at the end of the day, James Gunn and Peter Safran are wanting to hit the reset on a lot of projects. Yeah. And rightfully so. Yeah. And if this is one that it depends on how you look at the numbers. Yeah. And much like we say on our other show, 607 TWS. Numbers really don't matter in that aspect to us as fans. Right. It it matters to the studios, though. Yes, it matters to the studios and those that are backing movies. Yep. We are not that. We are just fans. Yeah, yeah, because the studios ultimately want to turn a profit. They want to invest their money. You know, it's it's like if you invest in stock market. Mm -hmm. You want to invest your money in, in companies and what have you, that will make you money. You don't want to throw your money at some company that's going under and you're just going to lose your money. You No, you want to get your money back and then some. Yeah. You know, the same can be said with movie studios. You want to invest your your millions of dollars into something that will make the money back and then some. Mm-hmm. You know, and if and if, if your movie didn't at least make it your, its money back, you're not going to get considered for a sequel, no matter who is attached at the start of it. Exactly. And I think in this situation, there's too many question marks yeah. To say who's right or wrong yeah. as far as public opinion goes. Yeah. And and this is we, gonna make a hell of a book someday. Oh yeah. This is gonna make a great novel. Somebody's gonna make a hell of a tell all. Yes. When this all clears up, the decision has already been made. Yep. Gunn and Saffron and company do now want to do a second Black Adam film. Right. And that's fine for whatever reason. And obviously, they still want to do business with The Rock. The Rock still wants to do business with them. Yep. It just depends on if he's going to be involved as a character of Black Adam, or is it going to be something else? It sounds like he's not, which, in all honesty, I'm all right with. Like, the movie was good. I'm not saying it was great. I'm not saying it was bad. It was good. It's kind of middle of the road for me. I'm glad I saw it. But if it turns out I never see that incarnation again... I'm not upset about it. Like mm. I'm like I'm not pissed. I'm not mad. I'm not bummed. I'm kind of just like okay, it was a thing. I I saw it. You know, I, I I never saw it again. Okay, I'm fine with that. 
The question of if we're going to see Black Adam back on screen is very tricky because if you're not familiar with the comics, he is Shazam's arch enemy. Yep. He is not an anti-hero like he was portrayed to be for the most part. In more recent incarnations in the comics, he has been leaning that way. Mm -hmm. But obviously, he's had a much higher profile. It's tougher to sell a villain movie to a pop culture audience because really, are you going to sit there and root for the bad guy the entire time? Mm -hmm. And they did make his story in the movie very, very conflicted that you understand his methods and why he's going to the extremes he does because he wants to free the people of conduct from the tyranny that was going on. So you understand that just the methods he does it in people don't always agree with. Right. We have the same argument with Frank Castle (laughs) quite often in the Marvel universe. Yeah. But for what this movie did, it got people talking, and this was a passion project for The Rock that he's wanted oh, yeah. to do for 15 years. Oh, yeah. So he's been attached to this quite some time. But the question was going to be, okay, after this, where are we going? Now, I know he was setting up for the big showdown with Henry Cavill, yep. Superman. Yep. That would have been box office. Oh, God, yeah. But still, if you're tying this into the comics, the question was, when, is, when was he going to face off against Zachary Levy's Shazam? Yep. And we had heard nothing about that. Yeah. And the rumor was we weren't going to see that, which was kind of a little wild, crazy to think about. It's like Joker never fighting Batman. Yeah, because their histories have always been tied together. And there was that bonus scene that was in Shazam 1 where they were meeting. uh, The family was there except one member at the chair, and it was kind of left alone. Mm -hmm. And it was always alluded to that it would have been Black Adam. Yeah. So if he was never going to appear there, where was the future going to go? And if they were going to make him the new face of the Justice League, which they've done in the comics. I mean, he's he's been a prominent member in in one of the more recent incarnations. This was going to be a direction that they were going to go with. But then this all ties back to James Gunn and Peter Safran saying, no more Snyderverse. Mm -hmm. We're hitting the reset. Yeah. And who makes the most sense where? Mm -hmm. Does it make sense to put a character in there that's been a villain for the most part? except for a few times he's been that anti-hero yeah. status yeah. to be the face of the franchise? Or do we want to get back to basics with DC? And that's the question that has been answered with this move. I thought what The Rock said was very telling, though, because in his statement, he said, I want to see DC and Marvel succeed. Yeah. yeah. Why would he say and Marvel when it did not even need to be said? No, because Black Adam ain't got nothing to do with uh, Marvel. Yeah, this has nothing to do with Marvel. Yeah. Now, I understand he's just being very polite and saying that, you know, he wants to see all comic book universes succeed, which I think a lot of the actors do. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't think there's very few that are going to just stay one universe. Right. If there's a great role offered in the other one. Right. I mean, I know that I think Jason Momoa might be the only one that uh Stays there because uh, yeah. I know he's been very pro DC. Yeah, and you know what? That's cool. I'm yeah. not. I'm not mad about that. There's, there's a few from Marvel I can see not making the switch just because of cost reasons. Yes, but in this situation with The Rock, I think he very much made it open that yeah, he's willing to do some business there, and I think that this could be a situation where we do see this along with him being in DC. Yeah, just what incarnation we're going to see him in is going to be really questioning, because we do know that there is another Shazam movie coming out next year. Yep. 
And I know that this has been one that with all the recent resets that have been hit, yeah. Gil Godot's in kind of limbo right now because it's probably gone though. Probably gone, but James Gunn has came out and to paraphrase a little bit, not so fast, but not saying yes or no. Yep. We do know Henry Cavill obviously is out as Superman right now. Yep. Batman is Robert Pattinson. We yep. don't know anything else about a shared universe Batman. Uh, we do yep. know that the rumor of Pattinson being in this new DCEU has been debunked as yep. of right now. Yeah, which, again, could change on the daily. Could change on the daily. We do know that Ezra Miller's Flash is going to come and go. Yeah. And I would strongly uh, doubt we see him back in that role. There's no chance in hell. Yeah. There's no way. I was trying to put it mildly, but there, yeah. there, no, there, there's no fucking way he comes back. I'm sorry with everything he's that's gone on with him, even the, even with the quote unquote apology. There's no even before the James Gunn, Peter Safran stuff. There's no fucking way he was coming back. Yeah, he's gone. <laughs> I agree with you too. I'll tell you this: there was about you had a better shot at Grant Gustin starring in the Flash sequel than Ezra Miller returning. I would love that. Oh, I would too. I'm just, I'm just saying. You had a better chance of Grant Gustin taking over the role. Yeah. But that said, that eliminates most of the Justice League. Ray Fisher as Cyborg. Uh, well, we already know that one. Yeah, that yeah, that one's uh, pretty much a no. Yeah. And Jason Momoa as Aquaman is rumored now to be shifting to Lobo, which makes yeah. perfect sense for him. Yeah. So Shazam is one of the characters that is kind of in the limbo here. Because it was introduced as a loose tie-in to the Snyderverse. Kind of, but not even firmly. Because the only tie-in to the Snyderverse was the Superman cameo. Mm -hmm. Which, again, like we said the last segment, you don't even see whose head it is. So you could just very easily, whoever gets cast as Superman for this upcoming early Superman thing, you could just make it that actor, that actor, mm -hmm. you know? So it's very easy. So it's, it, it's very, very loosely, almost not even tied to the Snyderverse. Yes. But there is at least one bright spot, so to speak, as we usher in this new James Gunn era, mm -hmm. according to an article on yahoo.com to quote, uh, Zachary Levy comms fans, fears of Shazam recasting under James Gunn and Peter Safran with the quote, we all Gucci, end quote. <laughs> so according to the article by Andy Ortiz, uh, in quote, in the weeks following James Gunn and Peter Safran's takeover of DC Films at Warner Brothers, some of the major moves, or rather major scrappings, have happened. But according to Zachary Levy, Shazam is just fine at the moment. After an unconfirmed tweet made the rounds that Levy had, was suddenly not going to be playing the hero under the new DC regime, one user tweeted, quote, I want this not to be true because Shazam is... Uh, one thing the DCEU, I absolutely would throw hands for to protect, end quote. The writer also tagged Levy, saying he's perfection in the role. In response, Levy offered some words of comfort and advice to take some uh, news on the internet with a grain of salt. Quote, ooh, really, I, would, I really wouldn't go believing everything you, you see on the internet. I'm Gucci, Ash. We all Gucci, end quote. Yeah, I, something tells me that Zachary's about the only thing that's going to escape this purge. Well, it would make sense because for what he is in the universe, he's not one of those central figures that is connected to the Snyderverse. Mm -hmm. And I think this is kind of where we're, gonna, we're going with, with both segments we've done on this show so far. The Snyderverse is done. Yeah, and uh, the Snyderverse folks need to calm the fuck down. Oh, yes. We, we will let Pat have his moment to end this and put the official stamp of burial on the Snyderverse. 
But with everything going on right now, we have a new Shazam coming out next year, Shazam Fury of the Gods. Yep. That is very loosely connected to whatever is left over from the DCU. Mm -hmm. We do know that cameos were cut yep. involving Gil Gadot and Harry Reportedly. Cavill. Reportedly. Reportedly. So we should not expect to see them. Or no, it was for The Flash. Was it? it was for The Flash, yeah. So as far as we know, there's nothing in this film that is going to connect to that universe. Yep. So with that loose connection, if they still want to do some Shazam movies, and if this one does very well, I would fully suspect we'll see that. Yeah. Levy's safe. Oh, yeah. And it definitely will go there. The Suicide Squad movie that James Gunn was a part of, that will that's, be fine. That's fine. Yes, because the loose connection that had to any Snyderverse stuff is that loose. Yep. They can cut ties and reset and everything will be fine. Everything after that, though, is going to be wide open with the exception maybe of the Blue Beetle movie that is coming out that has not been scrapped, and that is still going to be hitting theaters this year. Yep. Or this coming year, I should say. coming year. So there's a lot of hope to still be had here as we enter this new phase of the DCEU, or however we want to define it, whether you want to classify it as the new 52 on film, if you want to classify it as I know some reports have been coming out now saying that it's going to be based off the cartoon Justice League Unlimited. Fucking please, that would be awesome. I think that we just have to sit back as fans and recognize that this is change. And for Dwayne The Rock Johnson... He's going to be changing, and I think wherever he goes with the DCU from here. He's the highest grossing actor in Hollywood like the last two years running. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. In fact, I see him going to Marvel. Oh, at some point, yeah. I've seen this happen for a while. Once he's once he's done doing uh, Jumanji movies. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Where would you cast him if you're sticking him in Marvel right now? Boy, I have no idea. Like, legitimately. Like, I, I can't think of anything. There's two roles that jump out to me right now. One, Hyperion. Yeah, yeah. Because it's rumored that that will be the big villain of Thunderbolts. And I'm stressing rumored. And if they want to do Squadron Supreme, that would make sense. The other one, which is a curveball to some, but he had been rumored to have been tagged at one point, is Silver Surfer. Ooh. So. That would be interesting. It'd be a change of pace for him because Silver Surfer is the not. The most jacked Silver Surfer of all time. Right. But it would be a situation where if they want to. To have him go that route, I think he could definitely pull it off. I would love to have seen him been Namor, but I. But granted, yeah. uh, the actor they have playing him now is doing fine. Oh God, yeah. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all right with him. I'm completely all friend with Huerta playing him. Um, that being said, I think he's going to be fine wherever he ends up. He might be involved with the X Men universe before we all know it's all said and <laughs> done. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of doors opening at Marvel that he can be there. And go and, and find a great role. Yeah. So I'm not too worried about him and his future here. But I think as far as DC goes, I think it's kind of really up in the air. And wherever he wants to go and find his way, he's going to find it. And it's going to be fine. Like I say, we can all sit back as fans and enjoy it for what it is. If you're not ready to accept the change, it's going to be a little tough. But then again, we can only do so much yeah. as, as fans. And But we have to kind yeah. of sit back with all the toxicity going on right now. Tena Huerta, that is the, the actor who plays Namor. I couldn't think of his first name. Had to come back for that. Uh, we have to sit there and really let James Gunn and Peter Safran do what they're going to do. We can be fans, but the amount of toxicity that's been coming out lately. Jesus fucking Christ. This also ties into the death of the Snyderverse. Mm -hmm. And I know I've been promising Pad the moment to put the official stamp on this because if you're going to be a toxic fan, then just don't watch it. 
there's no point to please you. The universe that you are so craving to see back on screen is not going to happen. And I'm sorry if you feel that way. There's going to be change in the DC universe yet again. We have to let the powers that be get a chance to at least come out with the projects, and then we can be fans and say if we like if we don't. But to sit here with this constant negative toxicity, attacking, and really being just vicious about things that we don't even know about is just unacceptable as fans. There's no place for it. Pad, the floor is yours. Got a couple of tweets to read before I get into this. Uh, this was tweeted out from James Gunn's official Twitter account, which is at James Gunn. Uh, this was tweeted out on Monday. Uh, quote, one of the things Peter and I were aware of when we took the job as heads of DC Studios was a certain minority of people online that could be, well, uproarious and unkind, to say the least. Our choices for the DCU are based upon what we believe is best for the story and best for the DC characters who have been around for nearly 85 years. Perhaps these choices are great, perhaps not, but they are made with sincere hearts and integrity and always with the story in mind. No one loves to be harassed or called names, but to be frank, we've been through significantly worse. Disrespectful outcry will never ever affect our actions. We were aware there would be a a period of turbulence when we took this gig, and we knew we would sometimes have to make difficult and not-so-obvious choices, especially in the wake of the fractious nature of what came before us. But this means little to us in comparison to our jobs as artists and custodians in helping create a wide and wonderful future for DC. To the Snyderverse folks, You need to stop kissing Zack Snyder's ass because it's starting to smell in the room. For fuck's sake, let it go. I never thought I'd meet somebody more toxic than Star Wars Twitter or the internet wrestling community. The internet wrestling community got a person killed. And Star Wars Twitter has driven more than one person off of all of social media for fear of their own life. I realize you like the films. There's nothing wrong with that. I realize you're passionate about the films. There's nothing wrong with that. Ken's passionate about stuff. I'm passionate about stuff. There's some stuff I dive on a sword for just because I'm that passionate about it. But I wouldn't go to this level. You won one victory. You got Zack Snyder to come back and release his cut of the film. Congratulations. It was a low bar. Obviously, it was better than what was released in theaters. But that wasn't exactly hard. Because what was released in theaters was a hot steaming pile of shit. That one, marginally better. Was it the greatest film of all time? No. I I wouldn't say it is. I know there's some people who would, but it, it, it was better. But it wasn't the greatest film of all time. But this universe is over. This universe is dead. Gal Gadot is not coming back. Henry Cavill is not coming back. Ben Affleck, for whatever the fuck he's doing, is not coming back as Batman. Ezra Miller is not coming back as the Flash. You know, whatever his name, Ray Fisher that played Cyborg is not sure as shit ain't coming back. He's made that abundantly clear even after going after James Gunn on Twitter this week. Egregiously, and, and he was way off the mark, and even James Gunn corrected him on it. But he sure as shit ain't coming back to, to his Cyborg. You know, Amy Adams isn't coming back as Lois Lane. Jeremy Irons isn't coming back as, as Alfred. 
you know, as much as I would fucking love to love to see J.K. Simmons isn't coming back as as Commissioner Gordon. It's over. It's done with. Let it go. You had your time in the sun. You had your time for fun. But it's time for a reset and it's time for something new. Look at the box office numbers. The box office numbers clearly tell nobody gives a shit about these movies anymore. They did well at the start and they've gone down ever since. And it's to the point where folks like myself, if you continue the Snyderverse movies, I'm done with DC. And I say this with Superman being my number one superhero of, of all time. I'm done with the Snyderverse. I'm done with the bullshit. I'm done with your toxicity. And I realize this doesn't apply to everybody, but God damn it, it applies to a good normal number of you. I'm done with the Snyderverse. It's over. If I ever choose to rewatch any of the movies, I'm starting with Man of Steel and I'm stopping there. I might go. I might give uh, Shazam a rewatch because Shazam's a fucking awesome movie. But it's got such a loose tie to the Snyderverse; it's basically not even in it. I'm done. I'm done with the Snyderverse. I, I've like I said, you don't believe me? I'll send tweet at me at Messelin M E S E L Y N. I will send you the photos of the twelve or thirteen hashtags I've got muted and muted forever related to the Snyderverse. That's how done with this shit I'm. I am. I was so excited and over the damn moon when Man of Steel came out that the girl I was dating at the time, it's not Liz, it was I was dating somebody else at the time, I was nudging them to keep them awake for the entire time because not because the movie was bad, they'd been up most of the night prior for various reasons. They were up and falling asleep. I'm like, hey, this is really fucking good. Like, you need to stay awake for this. It turned into such a steaming pile of shit so fast, I want nothing to do with it. I'll be honest, I own the original Suicide Squad from David Ayer. I've watched it twice. Once in the theaters, and then once when Liz wanted to watch the extended cut because it hadn't been it's been a while and she hadn't seen it. And I was like, okay, you know what? I haven't seen it in a while. I'll watch it. I'll watch it. And I hadn't seen the extended cut. I only saw the theatrical cut. You know, extended cut, a little bit better than the theatrical cut. It wasn't leaps and bounds better. It was okay. You know, but in but in terms of uh Matt, Batman Superman Man uh, Dawn of Justice. I've seen it twice, once in theaters, and then once when it came out on Blu-ray because there was the ultimate edition or the whatever cut that they're like, oh, this yeah, is the extended version. The extended version. This is, this is so much better than the theatrical cut. And you know what? I'll agree with you. The extended cut was better, but I've never seen it since. Justice League, again, well, technically three times because the theaters, no, two theaters, and then I didn't see it again until the, the recut came out with the Zack Snyder version. I don't care about these movies. I'm done. I'm ready to move on. James Gunn has done wonders with the projects he has worked on. Look at look at the Guardians of the Galaxy. You cannot sit there and tell me Guardians of the Galaxy was a household name. I've said before, I wasn't the biggest Marvel fan. I had no idea who the fuck the Guardians of the Galaxy were. And now they've got a fantastic soundtrack that even my mother, who's never seen any of these movies, knows how good the soundtrack is. That speaks to how good James Gunn can do work with this. You look at the Suicide Squad when he took a project and a property that people said the original one was a, was not good, wasn't great, and universally, everyone loves that movie. You look at Peacemaker. You cannot sit there and look at me in the eye and tell me, oh, well, Peacemaker is a household name. No, he's not. He is now, thanks to the work James Gunn did and, and just John Cena being charismatic as all hell. Bum, 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 bum. Charismatic as all hell in that fucking, bum, 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 that fucking banger of an intro song. Mm-hmm. You know, but you James Gunn did work on that. You took J- James Gunn, 
who took a fucking holiday special. Let's, let's face it. Everybody does holiday specials. Mm-hmm. There are holiday specials coming out on TV that I'm looking at going, why is this a thing? True. You know, just why? But they took that, and while I don't normally care for some of the newer holiday specials, I'm kind of a traditionalist. I like the Charlie Brown one. I like Rudolph. I like Frosty, and I like some of the old claymation ones. You know, Santa Claus is coming to town, and Year Without a Santa Claus, and Rudolph's Shiny New Year. I like the older ones I watched when I got home from school when I was a kid. I don't care for some of these newer ones. James Gunn made me care about a holiday special in 2022. Yeah. He can work magic. Let him do his work. Is it going to be the Snyderverse? No. But it's going to be good. You just have to let him give time and come up with the plan, which they have, and then unroll it. But I'm done with the Snyderverse. Wow. Had said he was going to unload, and he did. And I agree with him in this sense. We've had this fandom reappear and just get more toxic and toxic in the comparisons that it's worse than the Star Wars community, which does have its bad moments. Oh, yeah. And the wrestling, internet wrestling community, which Pat unfortunately was correct about and is one of the worst fan bases to be dealing with in certain areas. And, and I'm not kidding. You can you can look it up. The internet wrestling community got it. I forget the name and I apologize. Mm-hmm. But there was a Jap, female Japanese wrestler who committed suicide because of what people were saying online about her. Mm-hmm. And as we talked about, there has been just constant bullying and cyber attacks. Yeah. In that sense that... It has gone to the point where you're right as a fan to vocalize is really pushing boundaries to being cyberbullying and being abusive in that aspect. And this is where the Snyderverse has really kind of shown up lately that now you got your win with Justice League's uh, director's cut. You got the win, which is great. And did the fans want to see it? Yeah. And we even said, too, like, if there was enough interest, sure, they might have. But this is a new regime by the people that own the properties for the theatrical releases. And and let's look back at some of those movies. What was the main issue that we heard reportedly with a lot of those movies? Was the studio getting involved. Mm-hmm. And the studio, and, and what was the one thing we've said for the five-plus years we've been on this show that DC needed to do to at least compete with Marvel in terms of being great. Get it so the studio gets their fucking hands out of the property. Yep. And I realize they own it, and I realize they have the rights to it. But they need to stop getting their grubby little paws in the fucking potato salad and messing with the recipe. With James Gunn and Peter Safran being there, they're the Kevin Feige of the DC Universe. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, all of a sudden, there's a middleman in between the directors and the actors and the producers and the studio heads. And the studio heads clearly trust who's running DC with Peter Safran and and James Gunn. Otherwise, they wouldn't have nominated them. Yeah. And it's smart business to do. And I think that even as shaky as the business is over there with WBD, they're smart enough to hit the reset button now. And let James Gunn, who has got ambition to fix things and wants to really do something that is going to right the ship. They're allowing him to do this. And if it means hitting the reset, so be it. Yeah. We as fans do like certain actors in certain roles. But if you're going to hit the reset, it's going to be for a new vision that's going to happen. But for the toxic comments that have been coming out and just attacking, not criticizing, 
attacking. There is a difference. That shit can go away. And that's just not needed. Because we as fans can be excited about projects. We can sit there and just let the powers that be do. Sure, we can be disappointed, but we can also handle it in a tasteful way. But to sit there and constantly be attacking. And James Gunn, to his credit, has been very open discussing things. Oh, yeah. More than he should. Yeah, there, there have been accounts online that like to claim, just as an example, oh, James Gunn hates Henry Cavill. And somebody tagged James Gunn, hey, want to respond to this? And James uh, James Gunn did. And he said, yeah, it's not true. Yeah. He doesn't have to answer fans, but he's been doing a lot to answer fans, which I applaud him for because, you know, he's got a lot more patience than I do. And if you talk to a lot of people in the podcast community, you can find out about how good my patience is. He is finding ways to navigate this water and really trying to quiet a fan base. And no matter what, you know... <laughs> followers i guess of the Snyderverse are still out there that refuse to give up on the dream you have to sit back and realize it's over it's done you had a good run yeah enjoy it for what it was if you wanted to sit home and watch your movies constantly on repeat sure would i have loved to see some more of the Zack snyder vision after the justice league extended cut sure in, in certain aspects yeah but you know what am i losing sleep about it no am i getting up in the morning and going, what can I say to James Gunn to make his day bad and go after fans that are excited about the ideas he has coming out? Like, he put it out there, like, what characters do you want to see? Trying to get a temp in the room for yeah, the fan base. because not everyone wants to see this. Not everyone wants to see uh, Bruce Wayne's parents die for the fucking 15th time. Right. Sorry, I don't. I don't want to see, as much as I love Superman movies, I don't need to see the Superman origin story for the 18th time. Yeah. I just don't. We, no. know, we know it at this point. Exactly. And he's smart enough to figure this out because you want to say he's learned from Marvel? Sure. He was in that upper echelon at one point. And obviously with his own situation, he's out, but at least he's finishing things out. He's on good terms with Kevin Feige. And you know what? He's going to take what he's witnessed firsthand with Feige and bring that over to DC. And that's not a bad thing. Because at the end of the day, what we want as fans is we want movies that really reflect the characters that we go out every single week and pick up an issue for. And we want the ones that we see on the small screen really jump up to the big screen, whether it's animated or not. We want to see this vision come to life and be truthful to the characters we know. Yeah. If it's a good film, we will show up for it and we will praise it and we will be there day one. If it's a bad film, we call it right down the middle and say, you know what, this wasn't my thing. We've said this about Morbius and Eternals yeah. at nauseum levels. Yeah. But you know what? We're being honest as fans because when a film is good, like Spider-Man No Way Home, we talk about it all the time. We know DC can do great work. Look at the stories they've done over mm-hmm. the years. And, and hell, look at their animated stuff. Yeah. just Not not even just from like, oh, it looks great. The animation's fantastic and the acting quality. Just from a storytelling perspective. How great some of those fucking movies are. Tell you what, give you a recommendation to watch this week if, you, if you're busy and you ain't, or you're, you ain't, you're not busy, you don't have anything going on. Look up Batman, Superman, Public Enemies. Yeah. And just tell, sit there and tell me that's not a great fucking story. Not even just where I'm like, oh, the action's awesome and the voice acting's great and the animation looks Just a story. Just look, pay attention to the story yeah. of how great that is. That all of a sudden, I'll give you a little plot, little plot teaser for the movie in case you haven't seen it. Superman and Batman are framed for an attempted assassination on the president, which in this story it's Lex Luthor. And then all of a sudden they have a, I forget what the dollar amount is, they have a multi-million dollar bounty put on their head. And all of a sudden it's the entire, it's every superhero and literally 
every superhero in the DC universe is after them. And every villain is after them because, shit, they're not going to say no to that money. Mm -hmm. And tell me how that's not a good movie. We know DC can do great stories. Look at the comics. They wouldn't be around 85-plus years later if they couldn't tell good stories. Facts. They wouldn't be around if they didn't tell great stories in the animated stuff. And, and I'm talking television, and I'm talking movies, and, and they wouldn't be around if they couldn't tell great stories with some of their video games. Obviously, all the gameplay and other stuff is a whole other ball of wax, but in terms of the stories, they tell great stories. You let them do what they need to do, they can tell good stories. And I think they're on the cusp of doing that. We just need to give them time. Absolutely. We, just, as fans, just need to be patient and let this all play out. Trust the process, as we say in the sports world quite often. R-E-L-A-X. Yes. But to keep that negative energy up, listen, you haven't even seen what happened yet. Fucking go touch some grass, for the love of God. Exactly. And if you are being negative, you know somebody's watching those receipts. Because if you get out there and you try flipping, screaming, oh, my God, this is the greatest thing ever, you're going to get called out like mm-hmm. that. And, and we realize this doesn't apply to everybody no. in this in the Snyderverse fandom. And I'm not trying to paint a broad brushstroke and say, oh, this, is, this applies to everybody. Yeah. It doesn't. But it, it would apply to the minority that this is, this is about. Yes, because they are seeming to have the louder voice than the positive ones. Yeah. So the homework assignment during this holiday week is... To quote Gary Vaynerchuk, make positivity louder. If you're excited to be a fan of this universe via fan, if you're excited about what you saw with the Snyderverse, you can be tasteful about it and talk about those movies. But when you're being negative and going to the point of being abusive online about it, seriously, go fuck off. Like, I'm sorry, I don't have time for it. And you can always hit us up on social media and you'll get the block button quick. You'll get muted. You won't get answered back. Because you know what? We don't have time for that in this fan base. We have positive conversations, constructive criticism, and we keep it moving forward because we, at the end of the day, are fans, and we want to see DC succeed. That is why we've spent an hour here talking about what we want to see with this franchise and what we want to see with the studio and what we're having faith in James Gunn and Peter Safran to do. Is it going to happen overnight? No, but I want to hear what they have in mind, and then we can go from there. And if it's bad, we'll call them out on it, and then we'll wait to see what happens. But for right now... They're hitting the reset. They're being smart about what they're doing. And listen, if you're uh, give you the flowers where the flowers are due, if you love the Snyderverse, if you want some change, congratulations. Here we are. At the end of the day, it's more Dawn of DC than just the comics. And you have to decide, is this going to be for you or not for you? That's going to be the question to ask. That said, hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPHPod. What's your thoughts about the switch-up going on at DC involving Dwayne Johnson? What do you think is going to happen with the future of DC moving forward? Let's keep it positive, and let's have that discussion, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Time is going. Yeah. Hey, welcome to the Shane and I show, or actually... It's not the Shane and I show. It's a promo. It's a promo for the Shane and I show, the show about nothing that makes you think of something. And we are available wherever you listen to podcasts. Spotify, Apple, what else? Good pause. Yeah, but we got like five. We got like four, five seconds three, to finish. Well, we're going to go a little over. One. So, hey. Listen you, to you, the show. Uh, yeah, you messed it up. You fucked it up. 
Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pad, what you got? Got one thing to talk about and uh, one thing that shook the entire internet no matter where you were or how much of a fan you were because I don't think anybody saw this coming. It was announced uh, last week as we record that uh, Ash Ketchum uh, is no longer going to be the main character on the Pokemon anime. Uh, this was announced by the folks over at Pokemon, and I'm reading from an article on comicbook.com. It says, quote, Pokemon Journeys did what many believed to be impossible, seeing Ash Ketchum and Pikachu become the victors of the Masters 8 tournament, with the former given, gaining the title of Pokemon World Champion as a result. While many believe that the anime series will continue with Ash in the lead role to explore his status as the top of the food chain, many predictions were dashed when it was revealed that Ketchum and his trusty Pikachu were retiring. Luckily, fans will have time to say goodbye via a new special and several new episodes. The official announcement for the upcoming episode, dropping later this week, reads as such uh, from Pokemon's website. To celebrate Pokemon's animated series 25-year history, a special episode called Pocket Monster The Far-Off Blue Sky will air on Friday, December 23rd, 2022. We've called upon staff from the original 1997 series oh, wow. to give us Ash and Pikachu's ordinary special day in a special episode that's perfect for the last broadcast of the year, close quote. Uh, the production staff also confirmed some of the creators that helmed this project, including director, uh, and I'm going to butcher these names, so I apologize, uh, Kinyoko Yuyama, screenplay writer Shuji uh, Yonimura, character designers uh, Sairi uh, Ishiki and Shue Yusada, as well as a musician Shinji Miyazaki. Uh, the official Twitter account uh, for Pokemon's anime series also shared new images from the upcoming special, which will act as uh, will act as the television show's final entry for 2022, following the earth-shattering news that Ash and Pikachu's tenure as series leads would be drawing to a close. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, and then they shared several photos, one of Ash and Pikachu sleeping together, uh, another one of them sleeping together, and then saying goodbye to one of the other series uh, characters. Uh, article goes on to say, quote, though Ash and Pikachu might be leaving the series as the stars of the show, two new trainers are set to take the reins in Liko and Ray, or excuse me, Roy. While few details have been revealed about these new trainers so far, a popular theory is that the female trainer Liko might just be the daughter of Ash in the future. Sporting a hair clip that looks quite familiar to the logo uh, that Ash Ketchum wears on his hat. Uh, close quote. So definitely earth shattering news. And, and honestly, like you can hear me getting choked up a little bit just because I grew up on this. Mm -hmm. Like I was at that perfect age when Pokemon hit in 1997 with, with red and blue version coming to the States. Yeah. And then, you know, you had the anime hit and the anime was honest to God must watch. It was like the first must watch TV I had. Like I had to see every episode just because you wanted to see what happened. And it was always to be continued, to be continued. And there are over 1,500 episodes now, you know, and it was honestly one of those things that, like, for as much as anime changes and characters change and, and what have you, you know, Naruto ended, you know, and eventually went to Baruto, his son. You know, Dragon Ball's changed over the years. You know, you got One Piece that's going for, like, a 1,000 years or whatever it is, and they're, and they're ending. But for as much as these animes change... And the characters name Pokemon was the one consistent. Mm -hmm. For as much as the animation style changed, you always had and, and and his friends. You know, it was Brock and Misty at the start. You know, and and it's changed over the years. You know, they've come and gone. It was always Ash and Pikachu for literally twenty five years. So the fact that it's that it's ending is honestly kind of sad. 
Yeah. You know, the fact that it's not, you're going to get to that final episode and it's not going to be to be continued. It's going to be the end. Yeah. It's, it's fucking wild. It's crazy to think about. Like I say, I've known about this fandom for a while. Yeah. And, and like, I have never gotten as deep as you have about right. it. And like, I know Tom Craven from off the cuff gaming. Yeah. You know, he's big into it as well. And like when this news hit, I was getting DMs from a lot of people, and they're like, Are, can you believe this? And it's, yeah. it's it's shocking to think about. And it's just one of those things, like, when you connect with some character like that, and especially, like, for your childhood. Yeah. And you, and you come to that realization, like, it's over. It's a really mind-blowing thing to deal with. But, I mean, like, I've had this in other fandoms, too. And, like, I can understand it. And to, and to think that you're going to take Ash out of the equation. Right. And, you know, where that's going to lead to things moving forward. I mean, it's absolutely insane. But, I mean, it's one thing to give him a proper ending, too. Mm-hmm. Like, you always hate, not that it was going to ever get canceled, per se, but you always hate, like, to have that cliffhanger ending. Like, right. they don't have the chance to say goodbye to the fans. And I know that they've been very gracious. I know the voice actor who voices Ash... Uh, has came out with a great TikTok and you know really give a nice send off to the fans. Yeah, so uh, her name is Sarah Nato Cheney. She is the current actress who voices Ash Ketchum. And, and when asked what Ash would say to the fans uh, with his leaving the show, quote, "Be the best like no one ever was, and do it with love. Don't be cutthroat. Don't step on people to get what you want, but know what your goals are and do them to the best of your ability." Do them with passion and do them while also loving the people around you and being kind, close quote. Yeah. So this will be a definite change in the guard. And, yeah. you know, it's it's crazy, Pat. And, like, I, like, you know, knowing how many fans have came out and just the outpour about yeah. this. You know, like I say, you can really tell when a fandom really loves a character. Yeah. When you hear, like, this is it and this big change. And, yeah. And, you know, fucking 25 years, man. I was in the fourth grade. Yeah. In 1997, when this started, I mean, it's and it's a story of never giving up, you know, just because pulled up an article from ScreenRant.com, you know, which was dated on July 5th of last year, you know, so it mentions the series that was going on, you know, which he he won, you know, he won that series. But, you know, he had his first he had his first uh, tournament, I guess you could say, you know, he finished the top 15. He went into the Silver Conference, you know, which was another one later on, you know, finished in the top eight. You know, he was in the Evergrande Evergrande Conference, you know, top eight, the Lily of the Valley Conference, top four, the Ventress Conference, top eight. Uh, you know, the Luminos Conference, the runner-up. Mm-hmm. You know, the Orange League, which was a small one, which was, I think, the second one he got into. He won that one, you know, but it wasn't anything big. It was kind of the small thing that he just did in, in between series. Uh, you know, and he had uh, the uh, Manalo Conference where he was the champion, which was, like, the first time he won an actual, like, huge conference tournament. Yeah. You know, so it's just his ultimate story of, like, he never won, could never get, you know, like the paint man, could never get over the hump. You know, could never win Summit the Mountain, get that big one. And then he finally did. You know, it's a, it's that ultimate underdog story of, like, never giving up. Yeah. No, that's why it always connects with fans. And, like I say, to see the fandom outpour for this, too, I mean, this is truly a monumental event. So, mm-hmm. you know, you definitely, if you're a fan of that franchise, this is hitting you pretty hard. Yeah. So, definitely be something to check out when this finally drops. Switching over to mine before I go into a big week at the comic shop. I know I say that all the time, but man, this is such a great time to be a comic fan. Yeah. I can't stress this enough. And during this holiday season, please go out to your LCS, your local comic shops. 
Go get gift certificates if you don't have any idea what to go get somebody. Go pick up some comics, and if you have a pull list, make sure to pick up your issues. I can't stress that enough. I know I sound like a broken record, but you don't understand how much that means at holiday time. But before I get into the picks for the week, we got a press release from Image Comics. Shout out to Image. Okay. And this one I know got a certain fan base buzzing. I know the reaction has been absolutely mind-blowing, and rightfully so, because when I read this, I went, holy shit, this is huge. Okay. And this is coming from the Massive Verse, the home of Radiant Black, Rogue Sun, The Dead Lucky, Inferno Girl Red, which is coming out in January, and a whole big 2023 is on the way. We got the press release from Image Comics, and I am reading, quote, Superstar writers Kyle Higgins, Brian Bosellato, and rising star Geraldo Borges bring fans a quote-unquote true crime-style superhero drama with the upcoming No One. This all-new 10-issue comics book maxi-series will join Radiant Black, Rogue Sun, Radiant Red, The Dead Lucky, Radiant Pink, and Fernando Red, and Cowl in the expanding shared massive verse of Image Comics in 2023. This new comic will feature some unique twists. Its story will be expanded upon uh, with an original monthly companion podcast titled Who Is No One, which stars Rachel Lee Cook. You know her from the movie She's All That. Oh, okay. Uh, a friend of the fandom, if you will, Patton Oswald. Yeah, I know that guy. As Pittsburgh Ledger reporters Julia Page and Teddy Barstow, respectively. Higgins uh, Black Market Narrative will produce the audio series with Higgins in the director's chair. Uh, esteemed sound supervisor Matthew E. Taylor to supervise Cowell co-creator and black market narrative editor Alex Siegel to sound edit Emmy Award winning composer Christopher Carter to score the uh, audio series. And there will be mixing by Dolby Atmos for spatial audio on supporting platforms. Oh, okay. So this is a big deal. And one thing, and I scream <clears throat> this aloud to... And a uh, little spoiler, this is what we're going to be talking about on the Patreon this week. This is something that the black market narrative team does better than anybody right now. Right. I really feel that they push the creative narrative out there more than anybody. And you take a look at this past year. I know they did the QR code, which had the animated short right. for Radiant Black. I know that with Rogue Sun, they did a choose-your-own-adventure book. This collective is doing so many cool things and to really take this to a whole different level with the podcast and they're going into a lot of different areas with this is just so cool to see a, a just a big push because like i say this isn't just going to be a comic and it's not to say like oh you gotta go out and spend a ton of money to go get everything else like you can go listen to the podcast and then go like right get that companion piece that it just adds to a story, and to do this, man, I'm telling you right now, this is going to be one of the biggest events of 2023, hands down. So definitely stay tuned to ODPH social media for this in the upcoming year, and I'm going to be telling you, we're going to be sharing this all over the place because I just think this is like one of the coolest things I have came across in quite some time in comics, and like I said, this is all set to start kicking off in March of 2023. So get ready now. You've been seeing the promotional art show up there. 
The Radiant Black universe has been showing out for this. The Massiverse fan base is getting loud about this, and rightfully so. This is going to be something really special. Definitely we'll be talking about this a little more in detail on the Patreon this week. But that being said, it is a big week at the comic shop. Nevertheless, DC Comics, uh, Batman Superman World's Finest number 10. What else can you really say about that series other than it is up in the running for Best Comic Series for the Cheersies Awards, mm. and rightfully so. So we're going to just leave that at there. Because, I mean, what else can you really say about that series other than it's freaking fantastic? Also, Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths number 7. So this kicks off the new dawn of the DCU. Oh, okay. This is the big event that everybody's talking about. Haven't got a chance to read this yet, but hearing a lot of buzz kicking around about this as well. So I definitely want to pick that up at the comic shops. Nightwing 99. What else can you really say? It's Nightwing this is a no-brainer to go pick yeah. We'll leave it at that. On the Marvel side of things, uh, Dark Web is in full swing. They got three spinoffs this week. Ooh. So Miss Marvel number one, Mary Jane and Black Cat number one, and Gold Goblin number two are all tying in with the Dark Web uh, miniseries going, or, you know, event going on. So you definitely want to check that out from the big two publishers. But I definitely have to recommend some indie books. And I'm telling you right now, I scream it from the top of my lungs, and I mean this with 100%. Comixology Originals is doing some of the best work in comics, man, mm. without question. And I know that people are like, well, it's digital. I want to support my LCS. A lot of these books are coming to print. So you want to keep your eyes out for them when they hit the LCS. But it's kind of like when you used to go download music first and then go buy an album. Right. Same deal here. And this works so well. And now, closing out 2023, they have a great lineup this week and they're definitely going to be starting off in january with some monster books that we will be talking about here on the show but this week ask for mercy the circle of time number three this has been a really crazy series richard starkings and abigail jill harding have really been doing this crazy sci-fi fantasy book and it's been going a lot of different directions so if you are into something that is definitely unlike anything you've seen at the comic shops this is going to be a book for you. Season four is in full swing. Season one is coming to print, too, at the comic shop, so you definitely want to check that out. Also, on Comixology Originals, there's two finales that are happening, and you will see this one hitting your comic shops sooner than later, and that's the Black Ghost number five of season two. Shame the Devil is wrapping up. Alex Segura, Monica Gallagher, and George Combitis are wrapping things up amazingly. And this book definitely ties up the crime story that has been going on perfectly. I really dug this story from top to bottom. Season one is out right now via print, and season two is going to be there very, very shortly, too. This series has been all just kick-ass completely, top to bottom. So if you like your, I don't want to say Batman style, but it's kind of that crime vigilante yeah, with a really cool twist here and there. This book is definitely up your alley. I definitely got to say, and Combatius's art is uh, like top notch. Like for what they're they're doing here, it really stands out. And like I say, you definitely want to check it out when you get a chance at the comic shops. Also, Alex Segura has got another book that is uh, closing up. I'm assuming for season one, but we'll be hopefully maybe talking to him about this in the near future. I'm fingers crossed about this. And that is Blood Oath number five. So, Pad, vampires, prohibition. Uh-huh. Okay. Do I have your attention? So, uh, in terms of just like two things I wouldn't necessarily put together, yeah. Yeah. This story is very, very cool. Huh. And it's tying into that era of prohibition. 
you have somebody that is, uh, you know, involved in the alcohol sales that are not really supposed to be going on. And when a vampire organization kind of gets a hold of you, it turns into some great storytelling. And this story has been absolutely building for this, like, pressure cooker point. Mm-hmm. It hits. And everything explodes here. And Rob Hart, Alex Segura, and Joe Eisman, uh, really, and the rest of the creative team absolutely are freaking crushing it on this. Like, this book definitely jumps out at you. And you don't think, like, this would work, Vampires and Prohibition. Like, this is one cool thing with comics. You can really have a cool idea, and as long as it's presented well, it's going to hit. This book definitely hits. It's one that caught my attention, and I was like, how is this all going to play out? This ending definitely, uh, I could see it rolling into a TV show. Right. I really could. Like, it's that good. They definitely hit all the marks on it, and it's something you definitely don't want to pass up. Over at Boom Studios, they got a big week going on. Right. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers 103, Melissa Flores, Simona de Guiana Feliz. Since they took over for Ryan Parrott, this creative team has just been firing on all cylinders. They are doing some of the best work in comics, and this issue definitely lives up to it. If you're into the Power Rangers lore, you do have like a deeper appreciation for this because where Melissa Flores is digging into, this is really like hitting the uh, real deep cuts of the lore. Mm-hmm. I was talking with Tom from um, Off the Cuff Gaming. You know he's a big Power Rangers guy. He was marking out like when he was reading the, his copy. He was like, "Dude, you are like, did you read this?" I'm like, "Yeah, I read this." Absolutely crushing it, and just the saga going on, reintroducing Rita Repulsa. And the story about how she is back and badder than ever. Pat, I'm just going to show you some quick artwork here. Oh, very nice. Yes. Like, this is just a small tip of the iceberg yeah. that is going on in this book. Nice. And like I say, Melissa Flores obviously is crushing it on every project she's been writing this year. Definitely bringing a whole new energy to the book. And Gianna Feliz's artwork, top notch. Like, can't stress this enough. Like, this is just such a perfect combination of writing and story, like, you need to check this in. And, like, I always stress, if you're not into the Power Rangers, like, for whatever reason, you don't really need to be, like, involved with the TV show that much and the fandom. You can just read this as a straight-up superhero book, and Mm -hmm. and this hits on all cylinders. Also, at Boom Studios, one of the best books, period, and I can't stress enough, the work that they do each and every time an issue comes out, Blows me away every time, and that is something is killing the children. Number 27, James Tinian, Werther Delorita, Miguel Morito, and And World Design. And, Pad, I know you're not into horror books. No. This will not be for you. Okay. But, but I will say this. I'm going to show you the cover because it's a Dan Mora cover. Ooh, okay. And I lost my mind when I saw it like this because oh. I'm a big Dan Mora, Mark. I, I don't yep. lie about this. Yep. The story, though, continues the... Uh, uh, absolutely wild scenario going on with Erica Slaughter fighting for her life and trying to fight the uh, monster that is haunting a town in New Mexico with Cutter closing in on her and the twist ending to this absolutely blows me away. But, Pat, I'm just going to show you the cover. I know you, like I said, it's not really a horror one, but look at how dope oh, this is. That is a nice cover. This is a, badass, nice. this is a badass cover. Oh, my God. So if you can find this version, go do it. Nothing against the regular cover. Regular cover is dope. But Dan Mora might be the best artist in comics. I've said it millions Could of be. times, and I'm definitely saying he's absolutely crushing it. Also from Boom Studios, Berserker number eleven. Mm. Now this is the Keanu Reeves Kickstarter book, right? So him, Matt Kent, um, Ron Garney, Bill Crabtree. So they're doing the penultimate issue here, right? And this book 
I, like I say, it's very complex. It's a lot of violence. It's a lot of action. It's a lot of crazy things, as I'm showing Pad going on right Good now. Lord. So this, yeah. Wow. This gets very intense yeah. uh, as they're going into the finale, yeah. which is going to be next issue because uh, it's only going 12 issues. But this is a project that you're going to watch because I know there's a lot of media spinoffs going to be happening from this. So if you want to get into the story, this is a perfect time to really catch up now. But they are setting up for one hell of a finale. And I have no idea what the hell is going to go down, but it's going to be absolutely crazy. So you definitely want to make sure you check that out. And last, but certainly not least, I opened with Massive Verse. I'm closing with Massive Verse. Rogue Son number nine. Ryan Parrott and guest artist Marco Renna, who we know from the Power Rangers days. Oh. Coming back and doing a, fill, a little fill-in duty for Abel this month. And this book, man, I'd like... Everything they do at the Massiverse is hitting on all cylinders. And, like, I, I can't stress that enough. I know I say that often. But this whole energy that is coming from this universe is kicking so much ass. And this is one book that they're setting up a new rogue uh, that is made a very big impact early. And I like seeing how our young hero in training, who's not exactly the nicest person in the world, too. Right. Like I got to say, like, it's not – it's – you want to root for him, but he does some things that he kind of comes off like a bully at right. times. Right, yeah. But you understand, like, if you if you knew the background he went through, I completely get it now. And I'm like, you know what? I can get down with Dylan Siegel. I think he's he's going to make something big happen here. This book is a great balance of, like, regular teenage life and superhero life. Mm-hmm. And especially a very cool scene when he's trying to ask a girl to the homecoming dance. Oh, and I think I have the artwork up here to show you, Pat. If I don't, I will send it to you. No, I don't have it. Okay. Uh, but it's a cool scene, and I definitely want to talk to Ryan about that as well. And this is the new villain right here, though, Pat. I do have him on screen, and he looks absolutely awesome. That's Hellbent. Ooh, okay. So yeah, you're going nice. to see a lot more of him in the near future. And like I say, the massive verse clicking on all cylinders right now. And if you're not on board, I'm telling you right now, between what's going on with no one and the lead into Supermassive 2, which was announced, get on board. Go get some trade paperbacks if you need to. Go buy the single issues. Go support the hell out of them. They're all fantastic people. We've had the pleasure of talking with them in 2023 and in def- or 2022 and definitely want to talk to them more in 2023, which uh, stay tuned, dot, dot, dot. Uh, we might be talking to him a little sooner than mm. later. Just going to leave that up there for you. But as we end it, all, always uh, go support your favorite local comic shops. And, and, and make sure you get your vote in for the 2022 Cheersies Awards. Pad, you know about the Cheersies Awards. I do. Brian Wayne, Cheers the Comics Podcast. Shout out to Brian, my comic brother from another mother. Him and I are going to be doing a award show like we do each and every year. And we break down the best of the best of comics. This year, we have put the poll out to the public. We are getting in a lot of votes from creators. Mm. So this is making some rounds, folks. This is not just Brian and I breaking down the best because, you know, Brian and I like to talk comics. We talked to a lot of fans online about this. You can find us on our social media accounts. We talk to everybody. But the creators have gotten involved this year, oh, which boy. has been awesome. I, I'm completely marking out that I see this. And I am so happy to get so many votes in thus far. Like, it's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And a lot of write-ins have come in, too, which we gave that option open. 
This is just showing that the fan base for comics is alive and well, folks. And for anybody telling you the comics are dead, and I know that right now there's a lot of negativity going on because a lot of <laughs> stories are breaking, and I don't want to get into it. Uh, you can just go search online, man. It's it's very tough if in the independent comic scene right now. Just I'm going to say this to close out the show with. It's the holiday season. Do yourself a favor. Do somebody else a favor. Go support some independent comics. Go out and go get some issues. If they got a Kickstarter project, go get some indie books. Go hit up your favorite creators and say, like, hey, is there a book that, uh, that you really recommend of yours that I really should check out? They'll all tell you, and you know what? They will steer you in the right direction, and you can't do any wrong there because if you're supporting the comic industry, guess what? It rolls into when they do movies. It rolls into when they do TV shows. It rolls in when they do animation. It all pays forward, folks. So if you like going to see a Marvel movie, if you like going to see a DC film, if you want to go see a Valiant film because we do know Bloodshot happened, if you want to go see some other creations coming out, what better way to do it, Pat? Yeah. And we'll leave it at that. To wrap up the show with, for anything and everything that is the ODPH, odphpodcast.com. That's it for this week. So for the one only Pat one j What killed the dinosaurs? The Ice Age! Oh, my God. He had to go there, folks. He I had, did. He it's the had winter to. solstice. I had to. He had to go there. Folks, have a very safe and healthy holiday season. And my name is Ken M. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time. This is Tom from Tom Joe Lou. This is Matt from Sideman Sounds. And you're listening to ODPH Podcast. Wanna go where no one